I wonder how many dietitians secretly eat fast food. Is there like a secret society of dietitians who eat fast food? I don't know, like the fast food Illuminati of dietetics? Well, I guess if there was one, we'd never know. Because I guess that would defeat the purpose of a secret society. But I bet the number of dietitians who do eat fast food is probably higher than most people think. And I don't have any stats to back this up, so I asked my magic eight ball and it said, signs point to yes. And the science behind the magic eight ball is solid, as most people would know. Now I know some of you out there are like, I don't need any fast food. But hey, if you got an ice cream cone from McDonald's or anywhere else, that still definitely counts. Anyways, on today's episode, we hear from... My name is Missy Shapak, and I'm the Senior Manager of Global Nutrition and Sustainability at Taco Bell. And what it's like to work as a dietitian at one of the most recognized fast food chains around. What? <laughs> you work for Taco What? I didn't know they had a dietitian. You know, or people are like, oh my God, I love, or if, if I'm talking to a dietitian, I might get, oh, I secretly love diet, you know, Taco Bell. I'm like, no, you, you don't have to be secret about it. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like sacrilege. <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is very comical um, to, to get people's reaction. I'm Jason Park, and this is Dietitians Unknown. I really appreciate um, you taking the time to do this interview. And I know, like I was talking about earlier, like you're, you're, you seem very popular. And I think, um, you know, people want to know about the dietitian behind Taco Bell, because I think there's that certain allure to it, right? Because when you think about it, and maybe some other people think about it, like those two things don't seem like they would mesh together. Like those <laughs> are like, it's like no. putting two positive <laughs> magnets together to try to stick, right? <laughs> but... So I guess I'm curious, like what, like what is the most interesting reaction you've gotten when you you've told somebody that you are a dietitian at Taco Bell? Oh my gosh! Well, first of all, it's like my favorite thing to tell people because I love getting the reaction. Yeah, and it's pretty like hot and cold. I either get, <laughs> oh my god, I love Taco Bell, or what? I don't understand. You know, but basically, I when people ask me what I do, first I say I'm a dietitian. And then I pause and then I tell people I work for Taco Bell. And then I just kind of wait and see what the reaction is going to be. And I'll either, like I said, get, what? <laughs> you work for Taco What? I didn't know they had a dietitian. You know, or people are like, oh my God, I love, or if, if I'm talking to a dietitian, I might get, oh, I secretly love diet, you know, Taco Bell. I'm right. like, no, you, you don't have to be secret about it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like sacrilege. <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is very comical. Um, to to get people's reaction, but I'd say my like one liner, my elevator speech, if I was to to describe to someone what I do, in in very simple terms, I say, you know, very simply put, I make tacos and burritos, and what they come wrapped in, better for you and the planet. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's a really great way to kind of summarize it. And I'm curious, like, has anyone ever like assumed like what you did? They're like. Are you, oh, yeah. are you making the tacos in the back or, or what? I mean, my, my brother loves to joke with his friends and he just says that I work for Taco Bell and they're like, the re he goes, yeah, at the restaurant, you know? So he likes to tell people that I work at the restaurant, not at corporate and just see the reaction. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I get people who say, oh, so do you like just put calories on things? And they don't even understand like how you, you generate nutrition fact panels and, you know, so they, they just kind of think like, all I do is number crunch, but it's so much, so much broader than that. So yeah, people do assume, they don't really understand, you know, how do you create things for a menu? How do you do, how, what is product development? Um, how do you, how do you do the nutritional analysis piece? And then there's just this whole other side of the corporate business world that comes along with the job too. So I think it's, it's very abstract for, for people, but um, you know, when you, when you start to have a discussion and break it down and give them some examples of like, oh, you see that on the menu board, like I, I created that or, oh, you see the, the calories next to the menu items. Like we, we make sure that the right calories are, are put right next, you know, to the right items and just, just trying to oversimplify it a little bit because it is a pretty, a daunting 
concept to grasp. Yeah. And I could see how it could be hard to kind of um, explain it in a, in a short period of time, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially if it's someone you just met and usually you're trying to like summarize it, but I mean, because you, there's so many other things involved, it's kind of hard to just summarize it in like a minute. (laughs) You're like, but I do so much more than that. I swear. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get too much further into it, I'm, I would be curious, like, you know, what got you started and interested in pursuing a career in nutrition? Well, you know, if we, if we go back even before that, I, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. So like pretty much my whole life, I grew up with dogs, animals, and, um, my dream or my, my end goal I thought was I'm going to be a vet. So like, I didn't really think about any other career other than becoming a veterinarian for a really long time. Um, but along with that, um, you know, food and cooking and was, was always just by subtle passion without really realizing it. You know, my mom, single mom growing up. So she was trying to instill some, um, nutrition parameters with my brother and I. And, you know, I remember when I was little and we'd be at the grocery store and she would, if we wanted cereal, she said, well, make sure that the cereal has at least two grams or more of fiber. So I was always reading nutrition facts panels and I knew where the dietary fiber line was. And if it had two grams or more, I'm like, cool, I can get the cereal, you know? Wow. <laughs> so, um, and then when I was younger, probably like 10 or 11, um, again, my mom got to a point where she's like, Hey, I need you guys to help out cooking dinner. So I started, you know, my brother and I picked a night each week and him and I would cook dinner separately. Um, but man, I went all out. I had themed dinners. I would decorate the whole house and use all my mom's fancy like plates and tablecloths. And so, you know, I loved my night out of cooking and I went all out. So I think I've always just had that in me, just like the food side. And, and then again, just a little bit of my mom having a little bit of knowledge of nutrition, just knowing that fiber was important and things like that. And so while my my goal was set on becoming a veterinarian. I always had a little bit of nutrition background. Um, but so I went to pre-vet school and I moved all the way to Texas, my freshman year in college. And I'm like, I'm going to become a vet. But my, I remember my animal science teacher, my freshman year kept asking me, are you sure this is what you want to do? You know, he could tell. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) This is what I want, you know? Um, and then finally my second semester and when I started working at a vet clinic, um, you know, I realized, you know what, I love animals, but I, I don't want to work on them. Um, and that's when I, I realized, okay, I need to, to, and Texas wasn't for me either, (laughs) to be honest. So I moved, moved back to California, finished up my, my general ed at, um, a community college and then actually transferred to San Diego state. But it was at the JC that I was going to where I took my like first nutrition course and I was fell in love instantly. And I was totally that annoying student that sat in the front and, and had a, an answer to every question. You know, I was like, wow, I love this subject. This is awesome. So, um, but it wasn't until I got to San Diego state that I knew what a dietitian was. I, I still just knew the world of like food science and nutrition. And at San Diego state, it was like, oh, you can become a dietitian. I thought, oh, well, yeah, I want to do that. Sure. And I didn't really know exactly what it meant, but I knew that I always wanted to work for a food company. I, I knew that like going down the clinical path that they try and, they try and really shove, shove down your throat. They're like clinical, clinical, clinical. You have to go down this path. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not for me. I'm going to go down this path. I'm going to, I'm going to work in food in some way, shape or form. So I knew that from the start. And I think that really helped get me where I'm at today because I had, at least I had that vision of like somewhere within the food realm. Yeah. So, I mean, in some alternate universe, you might've been like a dietitian for, for a vet, like, I don't know, like an animal (laughs) nutritionist or something. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that, that thought did cross my mind. I I won't lie. Um, You know, I, you know, cause you're always thinking of like different avenues you can go down um, you're like, well, I, I do love animals, so I could work in animal science nutrition, or I could formulate, you know, pet food. Now, does that sound very appetizing? Right. No. <laughs> but could like I do you, it? Yes. Yeah. You could have made, like, renal diets for for dogs <laughs> or something. I don't know. Like, because dogs have kidney failure, too. So They do. Um, they do. 
we got to look but out. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. My dog is very well taken care of. Okay. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm curious, like, because, you know, you were talking about, I mean, when you were talking about how you knew you wanted to work in the food industry, like you had, it sounded like you had very strong convictions in that. I'm curious, like, where did that come from? Like, how did you know, I guess, is the question. That's a good question. I think, you know, um, back at San Diego State, we had to make this like big portfolio uh, for those who went to that college, they know what this portfolio means. And it's this crazy book of like just your history of all your coursework, basically. And it's the portfolio you would submit to your internship program. Um, anyway, so when I would like, I, I have since I think gotten rid of that thing because it was just too much for me to lug around. But um, I remember going back and reading like my early papers and I'm like, wow, I just I just intuitively just knew because I remember like, you know, we had to answer questions or things about what we want to do with our careers. And I was always like, I'm going to work for a food company. I'm going to work for a restaurant. I'm going to work for Nestle because I love France and the French culture. And I was either like, I'm, I'm going to move abroad or I'm going to work for a food company. Those are my two paths. Um, so I don't know. I think uh, there was when I knew that I fell in love with food science, mm. that was in college during my, my food science course. And when I took that course, that like solidified it for me for sure. But even before that, I think just intuitively, it just it that's what my gut was telling me. That's what I I just knew inside. Yeah. And that's really interesting because um yeah, I felt like like that was like not not me. Like I was like, hmm, I don't know, like maybe clinical sounds okay. Like, but you know, they talk about like, oh yeah, dietitians work here and in this industry and in this area, and it's like, um, there wasn't really any context though. Like, what does that mean exactly? Right. Um, and, and I think I, I'm, I have a, like a little bit of a rebellious side where when people tell me this is what you should do, I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So I, maybe that had a little bit to do with it too, but the food side, I think I just, again, maybe it was just how that's where my passion lies. Mm -hmm. And, um, like the thought of working in a hospital just did not sound appealing to me. Yeah. And maybe it was like thinking of the work style, the workplace, uh, the work environment that, that also probably had something to do with it too. So you knew you wanted to work somewhere in the food industry. So I'm curious, like, what was your first start? Like, at, like you finish your internship, like what was your first job coming out of your internship? Well, I'll back up a little bit sure. too, because in college, again, knowing that I wanted to work in food, I did, I did everything in my power, whether it was, and you know, basically what everyone knows as a nutrition dietetic major, you're working for free. Like whether yeah. you're interning <laughs> or you're volunteering, you're yes. not getting paid. <laughs> so I did a lot of unpaid volunteer work and it was all in food. So I worked at the Olympic Training Center. I did Meals on Wheels. You know, like anything that had to do with anything revolving food, I was there. And I think that really helped me too because I had all that volunteer experience. So having that vision, you know, early on in my, in my undergrad uh, and then just like putting forth whatever extra hours I had working in some type of food establishment, again, I think is what, what helped mm. quite significantly. Um, so basically when I was in my senior year of college, I got an internship at Rubia's restaurants. So depending on where you are in the United States, Rubia's restaurants is more of a West coast, um, Mexican fast casual chain restaurant and their headquarters is in San Diego. So I did a product development internship with them and absolutely loved it. So while I was working there, or interning there, um, all the, the women that I worked with, they all went to San Diego State. They did the same program I did. They just didn't do the dietetic program, and they weren't dietitians. So I thought, oh, well, I don't really have to become a dietitian. Like, if this is my passion in food science and product development, I don't need to be a dietitian to work here. So I actually, I did, I completed the dietetic program, the didactic program at San Diego State, but I, I didn't do my internship right away. I actually, um, just started working Oh, against, against all my professors. Yeah. They, they were not happy with me. <laughs> let me tell you. 
Um, they did not like my decision, but I said, well, this is, again, this is my decision and I don't need this internship to do this type of career. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to work because Rubio's then offered me a job. So I started working there as a, as an employee and I got experience working in food and beverage and purchasing and quality assurance because it's a smaller corporation. So I got, you know, to get a lot of experience there. Um, but then, you know, hours and pay, I graduated and needed something a little bit more. Um, and so I ended up getting another job at this company called Glambia Foods. And they're one of the, the world's largest producers of whey protein. So they, they bought out this private company I was working for. And basically at that job, I formulated micronutrient premixes to fortify food and beverage companies. So think Cliff, Cliff Bar and their vitamin premix that goes in their bars. Think Monster Energy Drink and the vitamins that go in their beverages, I would formulate that for these companies. So, and that job was really, really interesting, super fascinating, but kind of similar to like the dog food example is, um, <laughs> it's not, it's not very, um, satisfying or appetizing to drink like solutions of herbs or vitamins and minerals and water (laughs) like I was too far removed from food yeah and I'm like wait this is going in a different direction than like really where Mm, my passion is is with food so I was you know and so I made the decision to quit and go back to school and I did my internship I mean I was cold calling I I did a distance-based internship through the University of Delaware so every lunch break 12 to 1 I'm cold calling you know, trying to set up my rotations and doing all that. But yeah, um, against my family and friends saying like, why are you quitting your job? You have a great job. You're going back to school. But um, yeah, so I, that was a hard decision. But I was like, it was, I got to the point where I was either going to have to retake uh, microbiology or um, biochemistry. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to take those classes Yeah, definitely again. not. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think now is the time for me to quit and do my internship and see what happens. Mm. So, I mean, at some point you felt like you, you wanted, you needed this dietitian to, or maybe, I mean, like, did you feel like you needed it? I mean, you must have, right? If you wanted to, if you came back to finish it, um, that you needed it to pursue what you really wanted, I guess. I did. Yeah. That was the primary. So, Basically, what I was seeing was, okay, I might be limited to just scientist-type roles or tech technician-related roles or whatever. And I was like, hmm, that's not – I know that having credentials will catapult me into something bigger. Yeah. And so I did see that as a gap in, in, my, in my portfolio. And thankfully, I had completed the right coursework and did the program and then didn't wait too long. But yes, that – that was definitely my thought. Was and, I can't, I can't let this stop me. Right, and you didn't want to. Yeah, and you didn't want to retake microbio <laughs> in <Yeah>. biochem too. <laughs> it's like, nope. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> Once is enough. Right. So I guess um, since we're on the topic, um, maybe you can keep talking about your your career path to kind of you know where you are now. Sure. Wait, yeah, because that's also a very interesting jump. So uh, of course do the dietetic internship, Mm -hmm. which was a, um, you know, it was distance based and very, very intense. Um, but of course I was flat broke because again, working for free Yep. and, um, you know, you're working full time, so it's hard to have a second job, but basically, um, you know, finished my internship, I passed my RD exam and then really just, I needed a job really fast. And thankfully during my internship, I had done my rotations locally. And so I made some connections and I ended up getting a job at WIC, which I know most dietitians are familiar with the WIC program, which is women, infants, and children. So this one was through the American Red Cross in San Diego. And, you know, first they just hired me for counseling, which again was, is not, was not on my career trajectory. Right. I needed, <laughs> I needed, a, I needed a job. Sure. Um, but thankfully, again, stars aligned and three months into the role, they opened up a position. It was a special, it was like special funding um, to create a new role to, to um, create and facilitate culinary nutrition through cooking classes. So basically, I applied for that job and got it. And my job was freaking awesome. 
Sorry, I can say that right. And, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I, I got to to create a hands-on cooking class. So I taught like actual cooking classes, and then I did cooking demos with adults and kids, and I loved it. I got to teach these families and introduce them to foods that they had never tried before or were scared to try. You know, they, whether they they didn't want to put forth the money and their family didn't like it. Um, but you know, I think the most humbling time it's there was a couple moments that stand out to me there, which was, uh, I brought fresh blueberries to one of my classes and this lady said, you know, what are these? And I said, they're, oh, they're blueberries. And she's like, oh, I've never had a fresh blueberry before. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm, so that's like just one example of where you're introducing people to foods they're, they've just never tried before. So it was very rewarding. I, I, I love that job. So, um, I also had the great opportunity of, you know, because every every month I was creating new recipes and teaching, I had this whole arsenal of, of material, and so we we ended up uh, I ended up being able to publish my work, and so I published my first and only cookbook, which is titled "Wick Tested Dietitian Approved." And you know, again, it's a nonprofit organization, so it's not like anyone can out, go out and buy it. But it was a pretty cool opportunity to go through that process too at Wick. Um, but again, you know, I wasn't looking for, to change careers. I wasn't looking to change jobs, but like going back to just like, don't burn bridges and network and keep your contacts close enough that out of the blue, my old boss at Rubio's called me up one day and said, um, Hey, there's a job opening at Taco Bell. I think you should apply. But you know, at the time I was living in San Diego and the job is in Irvine, which is 77 miles distance each way. I thought, Oh, you know, Irvine, I love San Diego. I love my job, like Taco Bell, really. Um, but then, you know, he convinced me just of just the opportunities that existed and, uh, working for government, you know, there's sort of some limitations with growth, um, and funding of course. So I thought, well, if I want to like future proof my, my career, I should probably consider this, this move. So I, I applied and obviously I got the job. But um, Taco Bell didn't hire me to be their dietitian. They hired me to just do product development. So about six months into the role, after I got my feet wet a little and understood what I was doing, I realized and had, you know, I'm like, my credentials, I got them for a reason. And I think they could be put to good use here at Taco Bell. So I, I championed for my role to lead nutrition as well as doing product development. I mean, I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know what I was asking for and I didn't even really know how to ask for it. I just thought, well, I'm going to go for it. And sure enough, shortly after I became the first dietitian for Taco Bell. And now, you know, now I'm leading global nutrition and sustainability, which has been just an incredible journey, very humbling experience and super, you know, I'm super, super happy that um, I decided to take, take this role because it's been really awesome. I'm curious how you made that jump because you were working at WIC and then you went into product development. And to me, that seems like quite a leap, I guess. Um, or maybe yeah. not. <laughs> well, I guess that's why, you know, I started off with the original part of my career because I started at Rubio's doing product development. And and so and mm, then working for right. Glambia was a form of product development, but in the a different fashion. And so I was very familiar with, with how to commercialize ingredients and products and working in that type of, um, food environment. Now, granted, the, the Taco Bell operations are, are largely different than Rubio's and even Glambia, but because of that experience, that level of experience in the food industry, um, I was able to, you know, I basically had enough experience to, to start in product development at Taco Bell. Nice. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, I mean, I was just, I guess on paper, when you look at it, um, if right. you didn't know the backstory, it wouldn't make any sense. Like, what? Like, you you jump from WIC to, to product development? Like, what? I know. Um, but, you yeah, know. So that, that yeah. requires some, like, going back in time a little bit. Like, well, let me start before WIC, because mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. otherwise it won't make any sense. Right, yeah, because your experience at Rubio's and also at Glambia um, kind of set you up pretty good, I guess, for that, for that move. Yep. 
And, you know, you were talking about, um, you know, they didn't have the position that you're in. Um, so I'm assuming you had to kind of like advocate and, um, like forge this position for yourself. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me, yes. like, what was that like? I mean, how, because you pretty much had to convince them, like, okay, you need a dietitian and you need someone leading nutrition. Um, and that's me. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I mean, it helped that I was already a full-time employee. Um, and I had, you know, shown that I could do the work. I knew how to quickly come up to speed and learn the world of product development within the Taco Bell operation or just within fast food industry as a whole. And then on top of that, um, you know, I'm an advocate for the brand. I believe in it. And, and then on top of that, you know, I have the background in nutrition and, and there was, you know, whether there was a nutrition strategy in place or not, there's still some regulations and laws that we had to follow, which, which really fall under that nutrition regulatory space. And so it was, it was like, let me just start here. Uh, and then we'll see what happens. Because I don't think anyone had the foresight to know how big nutrition could be at Taco Bell or, or in fast food in general. And so, um, of course, part of the influencing and, and the champion was like, well, it'll be, you know, just 10% of my job, just 10%. And, <laughs> and then slowly the percentage <laughs> started to shift a little. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then, you know, then ideas started forming and passion started growing internally. And, and I, I'm very, very grateful that my boss um, is a huge champion of mine and definitely gave me that opportunity because she saw potential in me and, and also the role and, and what it can do. But um, it, it's also like just having the background in product development made me a better person to lead nutrition. Mm-hmm. Because I understood or I understand what it takes to reformulate, what it takes to reduce sodium, what it takes to, you know, make something clean label, so to speak. And having that foundation gave me that credibility with the team and internally. So that, that part really helped too. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, and I guess, uh, when you think back at that time, like when you were kind of, um, advocating for this position, like, did you have like a vision about, what this position would be or like what your, like what you envisioned for like the goals that you had in mind for, for that position, I guess. You know, what's funny is I still have my original notes for ideas that I, I had for, you know, part of my pitch to my boss, um, on, on this whole thing. And I still have them. So I have this whole outline of ideas, which, you know, none of them were good now, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I think it was just showing the passion and the resilience and just the drive of like, and I, I remember literally telling her, I have no idea what this means. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what I'm asking for, but I, I want the opportunity. And I think because I was, um, pretty transparent, (laughs) but also just, you know, showed the drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like, well, let's just see what happens. <laughs> you know, let's go for it. I think for me, like what's really motivating, inspiring is like, um, just thinking about your story and how, uh, you know, you had so much conviction that you wanted to, like, this is where you would want it to be in your career that, um, that you really, like really tried really hard and you, you kind of forged this path, um, for yourself, you know? Yeah. And, and honestly now, I mean, I kind of forget the hardship I went through, which was quite a bit. It's, it's, it's always going to be an uphill battle working in this type of, um, food service operation, but, um, it, it, you know, it taught me a lot. It taught me resilience. It taught me to be patiently persistent, which is a term that I've coined for myself (laughs) at Taco Bell, because if anything I do well, it's being patiently persistent. And, um, so yeah, just carving carving my own path. And, and yeah. now, um, I think people saw, saw that. And, and I, I get, I get asked a lot, like, how did you do? How did you yeah. forge your own path? I'm like, I, I don't know. I just like stayed on top of it. And I wouldn't, I felt like I wouldn't take no for an answer. Cause I'm also a very, um, you know, humble person, but like, I just knew, I don't know. I just had this internal drive and just knew that there we could make do really great things. And then having, I think 
what also helps is having internal support and having an internal champion for yourself. Like there's, you can only do so much on yourself on your own. And so the other thing I don't think I mentioned is I, I found mentors along the way as well that I could bounce ideas off, um, you know, to, to get that courage that I needed to do the next step, whatever it was to help continue to forge this path. So, and I had multiple mentors across different, um, whether they're internal or external at Taco Bell, males and females in different departments. So, I mean, it sounds like a lot of people, but it was just a handful. Um, and then these people were really, uh, instrumental in guiding me down different. When I'd come to a fork in the road, I'm like, okay, I don't, what do I do now? And talk through it with, with my mentors and then, okay. And feeling good about my decision. All right, now this is what I'm going to do. So, so that was also a big, big part in, in my career trajectory at Taco Bell. What is a typical day to day for you? Oh gosh. And I know well, we, you know, we talked about it earlier cause you know, <laughs> you, there's so many things you do, but, um, I guess if you could, yeah, try to, <laughs> Uh, sure. give us a semblance of your day-to-day well my day-to-day now is definitely not as interesting as it was before <laughs> I'll tell you that um pre-covid right was a lot more diverse and dynamic and comp- I mean it's still very complex now but um you know I was traveling a lot I felt like ever I was in and out of a suitcase um and I, but I loved it too I mean it did get a little exhausting but um, you know, our, our environment is very, very fast paced. So, and we have deadlines and timelines and it's just, I've never, I never knew what busy was until I started working for Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, I know, I know what people are talking about now. This is crazy. But what I love about just my role in particular and how it's multifaceted, I, I wear a lot of hats. I, I like that. Um, cause it keeps everything very interesting. So yes, now we're all working from home and we're mostly in front of a computer, which is a lot different than what I had before. The, the content and what I work on is very, it's still very diverse and complex and dynamic. And that's what I love, you know? So while I'm mostly back to back team meetings, uh, and mostly on computer work, I, I like the very topics that I work on, whether it's beef sustainability, packaging, recycling, product development, um, you know, working with Yum and figuring out how to, how to, you know, work through, through issues that we have. And, and so on the product development side, I still get to visit our headquarters for kitchen development work. We're just not in there as, as frequent. There's more restrictions around who can be in and, and all of that, but Um, and, and of course there's no travel now, which I was traveling a lot before, but basically like my day can vary amongst working on, you know, new, new ideas for the menu. Like, what are we going to, what are we going to innovate around next? And let's brainstorm what insights we need, what competitive analysis do we need? And, And now, you know, our, our, when we go out and taste food and the beauty of having delivery is. I might just have random food delivered from different restaurants <laughs> yeah. and try them out. Uh-huh. Um, so we're still, we're still getting that, that good food in. Um, or, you know, my other part of my world is packaging and recycling. So I might be building out, you know, what's our roadmap to get us to meet our commitments by 2025 and what's the roadmap to get us there and working on that and speaking with, experts in the field, developing relationships, building partnerships to, to figure out, you know, how, how are we going to get there? Cause we're going to need a lot of people to help us on this journey. Um, I, I have a team, so I support them on various issues, topics, programs, and talking to you and doing, um, events and podcasts or presenting now at virtual conferences and, um, but I do a lot of stakeholder engagement. So I do a lot of, um, you know, meeting with different people in different industries so we can, you know, work through solutions together. Cause a lot of the problems that we're, we're facing right now are, are not Taco Bell specific. They're, they're food industry or just industry related issues. So it's a lot of collaboration with competitors, but also industry experts. And so I, I love that part. Cause it's like, I love trying to figure out how we solve problems that haven't been solved before. So that's, I guess, the typical 
environment, but it's all done in the the beauty of my my little home. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, like if so, for product development, um, would that be like maybe you have an you had an idea of like a new uh, maybe like a new food item or something like mm-hmm. that for the menu, and then do you do you ever do like so you you come up with whatever um, food item it is. And then do you do you like focus groups with people to like have them taste it and see what their like reactions are, I guess, or how they what they like about it or anything like that? Oh, 100%. We do extensive testing with consumers on anything food related and packaging related too. So on the food side, oh yeah, we we spend a lot of time talking to consumers, whether it's conceptual work where they see like a, it's like a paper paper exercise where we might do a graphic of, of a product that we're considering. And it has a little um, summary description about it with a price point. And we get initial reactions from consumers. Like, what do you think about this? Would you buy this? Does this look appealing to you? And there's a series of questions we ask them and depending on how that well that goes, then it's like, okay, well, now let's put this into like real food form and let's put this in front of consumers. Again, we've had to navigate this space a little differently during COVID, but um, in general, we still do the same level of testing. Uh, and then we get in front of actual consumers, real consumers, and we, sh- you know, we give them the concept because there, there has to be like an idea behind it. We don't just show them food and say, what do yeah. you think of this burrito? <laughs> so, we're, you know, we describe the burrito, right. we give it a price and we do some explaining and get them excited about it and see if they get as excited as we are. Uh, and if, you know, if that goes well, then we do um, a smaller test. Uh, and, you know, depending on the program, we have different options, but typically we'll go into some type of market that is more broadly appealing, meaning we're a national brand and we have over 7,000 restaurants in the U.S. So when we launch something, it launches in every single restaurant. So that item needs to do well in every state, basically. And as you probably know, you visit different parts of the country and we have different palettes. Yeah. <laughs> California is different than Florida, sure. different than Texas. So um, we need to make sure that this this menu mm-hmm. or this item or this concept does well and is, is broadly appealing. Have you ever came up with an idea that like you, in your mind, it was like the best idea ever or food idea or something, a product you came up with and then it just didn't test out the way that you thought it would? Oh yeah, all the time. So you learn to get some thick skin and to not, <laughs> not attach your personal hopes and dreams to everything that you touch because your hopes and dreams will get squashed. (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah. All, you know, it happens a lot. Um, that's why we test, 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 test. That's why we consumer do a ton of extensive consumer work because you can have a thousand ideas, but there may only be a handful that actually are, are going to work. And, and yes, I, I will say, I will admit that I have cried over some programs that didn't make it before because you put, you just pour your heart and soul into it and then it, it gets shot down and you're like, no. Um, so, so it does happen. Yeah. Quite frequently. But then when you get one that works well, it is just very satisfying and you feel super proud of just your team and everyone that, that put everything into it. Right. Cause like you said, I mean, like if you're so passionate about an idea or something that you, you came up with, um, to either see it work or not work, um, either direction <laughs> can be, mm-hmm. uh, quite a roller coaster. It sounds like so. Yeah, um, it sure is. You know, we talked to, I mean, you were talking about it a little bit earlier, um, just having to, um, there's so many like timelines that you have to meet. Um, so I guess, you know, going along that theme, like what are some challenging aspects about the work that you do? Oh, well, I mean, there's always going to be some, some challenge, but I would say yeah. the biggest one, especially in the world of nutrition, mm-hmm. sustainability, I'd say there's, it's, there seems to be more, but there's a lot of competing priorities sure. and there's no one size fits all approach. So sodium reduction is a great example. And I think outside of the world of food service, and if, and if you don't really understand how that works, you could say, well, you have too much sodium in your food and you need to reduce it. Just, just reduce it. You know, people are like, just do it. Right. They're like, okay, <laughs> yes. well, easier said than done. Right. Like it's a simple thing as just like turning off the lights or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, 
or just add quinoa to your menu. You're right. like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll get right on that. Right. Um, but what comes with that is a whole multitude of decisions that you have to consider. Uh, it's taste, functionality, food safety. Um, there's so many factors that go into like changing something in food and or packaging. Um, and, and so it's like this constant balancing act of managing consumer perception, preference, taste. Uh, then you have yes, yeah, functionality in the, in the formula that the value to the cost, cause you know, salt is very inexpensive. So there's just a lot that, that goes into it. So I think I'd say that's pretty challenging. I'd say it's our biggest challenge. Um, cause it happens everywhere. Uh, you know, we're reducing sodium, reducing sugar, clean label, whether we're advocating for animal welfare changes and then, Oh my gosh, don't get me started on packaging and recycling. There's so many <laughs> complications. And then when you get in that world, you're dealing with laws and regulations and lack of infrastructure and consistency of infrastructure. You have, investors that have interests in what what yum brands should or shouldn't do you have franchisees you know we're a large largely franchise system which means that um you know the majority of our restaurants are are owned by franchisees so small business owners so we have another layer of people to bring along and engage with on on our decision making so that i would say is is probably the most challenging because and then there's a lot of testing that goes involved. So anytime you change a formula or you want to change your supply chain, there's a huge level of there's consumer testing, but then there's this whole alignment process um, that goes that goes along with it, which uh, you know is very challenging. I'm not gonna lie; just even thinking about that gives me a little bit of anxiety. <laughs> Because I mean, really, there's so many layers that you have to get through to right, accomplish is- what you want to get done. And to me, I mean, at some point, if it were me, I'd be like, ah, just you know, <laughs> let's just let's forget about it, because um, you know, it's just so many, um, yeah, different layers and people that you have to convince or get on your side or mm-hmm. um, to really uh, push something through, I guess. Yeah. And so I go back to the co- the term I coined for myself, which right. is patiently persistent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, and then also, I'm curious, like, you know, because obviously I'm, I'm sure you have to be <laughs> very organized um, to meet all your timelines. Do you find that you're, um, I don't know, like, because I was thinking like chefs, for instance, like I've, I've heard of chefs who, you know, they, they cook for a job, but when they get home, like they they hate cooking. Like they don't want to, they, they don't want to cook anymore. So I don't know. Do you find like, um, I don't know that you're the opposite of like when you're at home or anything. <laughs> I love cooking. So I, I cook for myself pretty much three meals a day and uh, every day. And, but I also love going out to eat, but it's just different now. I, I would probably go out to eat more if, you know, we had a different mm-hmm. restaurant situation, right. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, I think I, there's certain dishes that I will go to a restaurant to eat because I know that I wouldn't be able to make this at home. So that, that's the type of food I love to go out to eat is things that I can't make for myself. And then for everything else that I can, I'd rather just make it myself because I love the, the, the joy of cooking and I like cooking for people. And so you know, friends will come over and make, make food. And it's just, it's more of the experience, but you know, I'm also like not just cooking all day either. And so it is a little bit different from like a chef or someone who's like in the kitchen all day. I'm, that isn't me. I mean, I'm more like back-to-back meetings. I might go in the kitchen for a minute, taste a bunch of food. Uh, You know, I'm kind of, you know, all over the place, but uh, and especially now working from home, it is easier to cook three meals a day. But I would say pre-COVID, um, I would definitely cook dinner. But um, I mean, I'm so I was surrounded by food at work, so I never brought a lunch. I I pretty much eat Taco Bell every day, uh, whether it's in the test kitchen or we're yeah we have sensory going on. Oh, I'm going to go to pan. I'm going to go to sensory panel. I'm going to eat some food. So we have just like endless supply of food when, mm. you're, when you're actually in, 
at work. <laughs> I mean, I guess that would make sense if you, I mean, if you work for <laughs> like, so like where you work at Taco Bell, that uh, there would be an abundance of food around. Oh yeah. Yeah. Never a shortage. So uh, we, we joke and say when people first join Taco Bell, you get the, the Taco Bell 15, kind of like your freshman 15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause you're like, Whoa, this is just like pouring out of a faucet here. I'm, I'm in heaven. Do they have like a cinnamon twist? Like, um, God, like a cinnamon twist, like, I don't know, like fountain or something. Like, oh my gosh. I mean, we should, we don't. But I think um, when I first started, it was, we were, we don't have them on the menu anymore, but we had twisted churros. Mm, yeah, yeah. If you recall those. And yes. we were like, right when I started, my desk was right outside of our sensory panel kitchen. So I was constantly smelling food, which was very taunting. And... <laughs> we were doing a lot of um, sensory panels on the twisted churro. So that's where I gained my Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess going on the other end of the spectrum, cause we kind of talked about the challenging aspects, like, but what's something or like, what part of your job do you find like most interesting or, or rewarding? Hmm. So I guess similar to how I described working at WIC, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I got to expose people to foods and flavors they literally have never experienced before. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say, like, going from Wick to Taco Bell, the the reach that I have with Taco Bell really opened my eyes to the impact that I could have mm -hmm. or that I do have. So, you know, I'm almost 10 years in to Taco Bell. This is my, my year 10 this year. And I, I still have to constantly remind myself that these small changes make a huge impact because of our size. So we serve over 40 million people a week. So when you think about the compounding effects of, let's say, reducing, I'm using reducing sodium as an yeah. example a lot, but like when we said, oh, we're going to reduce sodium by 15% across our menu, what does that mean? That, that actually equates to 1.5 million pounds of salt removed each year from our consumers' diets. Then, you know, so like when you put it into those terms, you're like, wow, that's a, and you think of like 1.5 million pounds of salt. That's a lot of salt Yeah, that we took out of our menu and that is no longer impacting consumers. And so I, I love to quantify these, these changes we're making because then it really demonstrates the impact it can have. And, and that's what I find the most rewarding about working for Taco Bell is, is literally the impact I can make. And now that my role is global, mm -hmm. I'm not, not limited to the U.S. Now it's it's expanded the reach. And I just love I love that part. Just making and there's no better place to make change than from within to, to be that internal advocate to drive positive change. Yeah. And actually, you know, I've talked with other dietitians who work in the food industry. And um, yeah, the common theme is, is like if if a dietitian isn't at the table, then. Um, you may mm -hmm. have somebody else who is not a nutrition expert who is advocating for changes like you were talking about, like reducing sodium. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's one thing that I love to tell people too, is, you know, there's like, if, if it's a food company or even a food service company, there is likely a dietitian or a nutrition professional behind the scenes advocating for nutrition. Yeah. And, um, you know, you've taught, you've said in past interviews, you feel like there's less um, stigmatization of uh, dietitians working in the food industry. I'm curious um, why you think that is, or like why, based on your experience, like why you think that is? I, I mean, it's kind of personal experience too. And also working for a fast food company, you really feel the stigmatism. When I first started, you know, almost 10 years ago at Taco Bell, and I remember going to my first maybe my first fancy, which is a food nutrition conference and expo. And I remember there was a, um, a group, I forget what they're called, like nu nutrition for integrity or something like that. Uh -oh. Anyway, <laughs> if you, if you, if you recall them, so they really had it out for food industry dietitians and apparently made some noise on social media. And I remember the security at fancy had to get increased because of their concern for retaliation of this group on food industry dietitians. And at the time, Yum! had a booth. We had a booth at the expo floor and all three brands, Pizza Hut, KFC, Taco Bell, all three dietitians 
were represented at this booth. And I remember like security walking by telling us of w- what was going on. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> this is ridiculous. How, how can we be this divided? But, you know, so that's like one extreme. And obviously that group did nothing and nothing happened. And I think have since um, maybe disseminated out. But, um, but basically from there, I've just seen more and more interest and positive or neutral um, attitudes towards dietitians working in industry. I've just seen it subtly change over the years. And because I'm so close to it and I talk with a lot of people in and out of, you know, the food industry, I'm also, and then, you know, also going back to like when I tell people what I do, I'm getting less negative reactions and more positive. And so again, it's more personal related of how I've seen the shift. Um, but I, I have, a, you know, starting off with like heightened security at Fancy yeah. because of this group. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, what? This is crazy. Yeah. Was so, self-defense, was self-defense like a prerequisite yeah. <laughs> for attending? <laughs> I didn't know I needed to bring my bodyguard to right. this event, but you know, next time, next time. So, um, yeah, I'd say just, it's just personal observation. Plus I feel like now more people are like, wait, I don't have to go down the clinical route. I can do this. Like that sounds way more fun, Yes, way more interesting, or I can get into public relations or I could, I could, you know, there's just so many more opportunities than just the, the basic foundation of, you know, diet, the dietetic program, which is clinical food service community. Uh, but in more of the traditional sense. And now it's like, just there's so many more opportunities. I think people are like, wow, this is awesome. And I love that, you know, there's more that I can do. And now I'm open to it because now I, I understand it a little bit more. Yeah. And I can echo that sentiment too. Um, maybe just confirm that. Yeah. For me, when I, when I look at it, I, I find it really interesting. Like, I don't think of it as like, oh, like, why is that person, you know, why is that dietitian working in the food industry? I look at it as like, oh, hey, like, this is another area of dietetics that I can work in. And I think, and I think that's a part of the, um, because I've talked with, again, I've talked with other dietitians in the food industry, and um, they've also made the same comment that they've, they feel like that um, there is definitely less stigmatization of, um, dietitians working in the food industry. And I think, again, like we talked about, it's because, yeah, I think people are, I guess, being a little more open-minded about um, what areas you can work in. So, Absolutely. Um, I guess, what advice would you have uh, for someone who may be interested in finding like entry-level work um, in the food industry? Like what's something that someone could just like start up, start off in, I guess. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, over the years at Taco Bell and at WIC too, I, I have held multiple types of internships. Um, and I would say when I, when I was at Taco Bell, I got a lot of, uh, not a lot, but I got, you know, I had an entry level, um, internship open up for like $15 an hour. So not, not, you know, not a lot. And I had people like out of state ready to change careers, wanting just experience to switch careers into the food industry. And I'm like, wow, these people are willing to like move across country, get minimum wage basically, um, to, to really switch their careers. So I'd say starting early is, is helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, having it's, you know, it's, it's, you have this, it's almost like the same experience when you don't have a job and you're trying to get a job. Like, yeah. well, you need experience. You're like, well, I need experience to get a job. <laughs> yeah. That whole yeah. thing. And, and so it's kind of similar with the food industry. It's, it is really difficult to get into the food industry when right. you don't have the background. Right. So oftentimes it helps to have like, whether you took some culinary classes or, you know, I see a lot of dietitians getting their culinary degrees, you know, so different there's you don't necessarily have to go back and go to school and things like that um but it does help to have some type of experience in the food industry in some way shape or form and it does help more when you're when you are entry level and you are kickstarting your career because you can just get some of that basic basic work it does also depend on what you want your role to be in food service do you want to be in communications do you want to do product development do you want to do 
um, food safety. So like what area do you want? And then focus in on that. PR, I'd say, is probably the easiest for, now I say this without having done it, but probably, you know, for me is like, if you have the background in communication, you can move to a communication role. You, you ha- you're the subject matter expert in that topic. And then, and then you could build your experience in food service there because you're supporting um, food service companies in their initiatives, their programs, whatever. So you get that, just that tacit knowledge. And then you could potentially, depending on, again, what you want your role to be in food service, you know, start to work your way around. Um, I think it just helps to like know what it is you want. Um, of course, networking, I mean, networking is just like the fundamental element here, but the other piece is don't burn bridges, you know, um, volunteer intern, like really just put yourself out there and show that you're, you're a little bit different. Like what's your unique twist on yourself? Like what makes you unique and, and really just hone in on that. Um, so I, I know I said a lot, but no, no, yeah. it, no, this is it all kinda, great. It, it really depends. Um, like if you wanted to do product development, that's very specific and there's specific training that that companies look for uh, and background for you to get into that type of role. So I guess that's why I said sometimes it's easier to go more the communication route. You understand the food service industry as a whole. Then you could start to, okay, now if I don't want to do PR forever and I want to get into maybe like the culinary side, well, I already have the foundation of the foods, food industry now. Now I can, you know, see, so you, you might have to pivot a little bit, but there are ways to do it. Right. And I've heard like maybe even working in nutrition labeling too. Like, mm-hmm. yep. um, that's like another way, uh, maybe to, I don't know, get your foot in the door and then absolutely learning, you know, about the food industry that way. Yeah. The regulatory space. Cause that you can do some trainings on, you don't have to go back to school and, and there's some entry level jobs you, and that gives you just the really a good foundation of that, of that part too. So yeah, that's another great avenue. Yeah. So like nutrition labeling or communication seem like mm-hmm. those might be, um, yeah. Cause obviously you're not going to wake up and be like, Oh, I'm going to be, I'm a product. I'm going to be a product developer. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> like you gotta, there's, there's gotta be, um, some kind of starting point, um, mm-hmm. before something like that. Exactly. I guess like when you look back, I mean, and, and, I, and I think I know the answer to this question, but when you look back, did you think like this is where you would end up? I mean, it depends on how far back you want me to look. Because if, you know, my 16-year-old self would have said definitely not, I would have been a, veter- a veterinarian somewhere. But, you know, I would say, would I ever thought that I would work at Taco Bell? No, of course not. But I am working for a food company and that I always did know. So um, I, I, I do feel very grateful um, for everything I have now and, you know, where my path has led me. But um, I, I would have never guessed that I'd be working for, for Taco Bell. Cause I think every job I had, I thought, Oh, this is where I'm going to be. Rubio's. I loved Rubio's. This is where I'm going to be. Glambia. Okay. I'm going to be here. And then Wick, I'm like, Oh, I love my job here. Cool. And then Taco Bell, I'm like, all right, now I'm 10 years, almost 10 years into Taco Bell. I think um, I might be a lifer. <laughs> so who knows? I mean, um, I'd say, where am I going to be the next 10 years? I have no idea. I'll probably still be at Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but is there any... Um, is there a question or anything uh, that I didn't ask or anything else that you, you want to share before we um, wrap this up? Um, I guess more, well, a couple things. One on the advice is, oh, I mentioned networking and don't burn bridges, but what I, I do want to highlight and I mentioned earlier is mentors. Mentors, I would say, have been the biggest part of my life and what have got me here and have helped me pretty significantly along the way. And I say it helps to have more than one um, in different industries. I, I usually try and pick a mentor that is not in the food, not maybe it may be within my organization, but doesn't not within my subject matter expertise. So I try and find mentors outside of there. Uh, so I definitely, you know, recommend seeking out mentors and, and you really have to own that relationship. You know, you can't rely on them to to tell you what to do. You need to go in 
having some direction and, and ask for advice. So mentors definitely. And then just going back to the part of forging your own path. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that really embodies that idea is by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And he said, do not go where the path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. And really that goes with just following your passion. So whatever that may be, you'll find a way, um, but don't try and go where someone else has gone. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing on whatever platform you're listening this on. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would help us out if you left a rating or review. And if you or anyone you know works in a unique or niche field of nutrition and would like to be on the show, please reach out to me on social media or at our website, www.dietitiansunknown.com. Thanks for listening.